Well, going into the bye, the New York Giants are 6-2. and two. They lost to the Seattle Seahawks, and I'm officially ending my streak of superstitional picking the New York Giants to lose. Um, obviously, it was a streak for a few games. I'm just going to detail that before we go into first thoughts and everything. I know this is a weird way to start the uh, podcast episode. But on from Green Bay to this game, I had the Giants losing every single game. I didn't pick them to win. And, you know, they won Green Bay, they won Baltimore, and they won uh, Jacksonville. And also you could say a little bit with the Titans, but uh, I'm going to put that streak to rest. I'm going to put that whole superstition to bed. And uh, somewhat pick honestly now, um, you know, obviously – Texans is a winnable game. The uh, the Lions is a winnable game, but that's all stuff we're gonna look at. You know, I'm, I'm gonna have to get somebody on uh, during the bye week. Obviously, we have no game to prep for this week, so we may either skip an episode or just do a big episode on uh, next Tuesday. Um, but yeah, the New York Giants are six and two. They fall to the Seattle Seahawks uh, by a score of twenty-seven to thirteen, and. Uh, this was a, a bit of a wake-up call and in many aspects for New York Giant fans. New York Giants as an organization. Um, you know, I thought that this was a winnable game. It was in many aspects. I mean, the New York Giants were going into the fourth quarter, 13-13, I think it was. Um, or it was 10-13, but, you know, either way, three points, you're still in the game. Um, the game kind of dragged away a little bit, and a lot of things made a difference. Um, Rich James being one of them, that was... I called the second fumble, and listen, I don't want to be right. I would never want to be right about, you know, a player fumbling and, you know, basically turning the game over in a different direction. But I just didn't have a good feeling about it because he never should have been on the field for that second um, punt return, which obviously ended up in a fumble. And, you know, uh, I was at my cousin's party, and he's like, yeah, you called it. I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, I have a habit of speaking things into existence uh, that are negative. In a negative connotation. Um, you know, you put aside the punt returns that, that should have happened, but they were fumbles and, you know, the other team picked them up. That's 13 points off the board, so it's a 17-13 game. And, you know, honestly, that's a winnable ball game for the New York Giants. And, you know, just briefly before we go into stats and all these different things, the offense was terrible. Adoree Jackson scored the first touchdown for the New York Giants. I don't want to hear this, that, and the other thing. Adoree Jackson scored the first touchdown for the New York Giants, and I'm not going to really complain about him too much. He did struggle a little bit against Tyler Lockett. Um, But he was the guy who put seven in the ends over the Giants. It was kind of like that Tampa Bay game, except we weren't obliterated against... Uh, the Seahawks, like we were against Tampa Bay last season, um, definitely this is a game that we were outcoached and outplayed to every aspect. This was probably the worst coached game um, of this season, and obviously the worst executed because this was our biggest deficit loss of the year. Um, so the offense, man, nothing got going. Uh, Daniel Bellinger is being missed right now, so is Evan Neal. Um, you know, you could have your questions about the left guard and the center spot, maybe even the right guard spot a little bit as well. It's good to see Nick Gates back. Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley just didn't have the production they've had in the last few weeks, which is not a good thing. Darius Sling continues to be the leading receiver. Wondell Robinson, I mean, he had a minimal uh, impact on the game. Tanner Hudson was, you know, good in garbage time. But overall, man, I, I we're going to talk, and I know I'm saying, ooh, ah, this, and what are the other things? Um, and I know this is going to come out, I think it's 4 p.m. the deadline 
uh, for trades on uh, Tuesday, which is the day this is going to come out. Um, so I may or may not be on time with it, whatever. But we're going to have a discussion about uh, whether the New York Giants should trade for a wide receiver. In, in my opinion, you know, is it financially good for them, whatever. Um, because I don't know what you're really going to expect out of a couple of guys who are, you know, Walmart cashiers. Uh, we'll get in that later, though. So, um, anyway, let's go to stats. Daniel Jones was 17 to 31, uh, 176 yards, 5.7 yards per throw, five sacks taken, two towards the end of the game, 24.2 QBR, and a passer rating of 71.4. Geno Smith didn't totally tear up the Giants defense if you look at yardage, but he had a nice day. Uh, 23 for 34, 212 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, they only put up basically 17 points. Um, you know, obviously you take the 13 points away or actually, I don't know. I didn't even do the math correctly now that I think about it. Um, so you had the 27, you take the 13 away or was it the 10 away? It was, I want to say it was 10 cause you got the three, the seven. I'm, I'm fucked up here. Listen, losses get me fucked up. Um, but you get the 10. So yeah, it would be 17. So realistically, yeah, he only put up 17 points on the, the Giants, which is two touchdowns, which was the Metcalf, which was the Tyler Lockett. Um, and then there was the other touchdown, the Kenneth Walker touchdown, which basically sealed the game. We really did a nice job of stonewalling Kenneth Walker. But anyway, uh, Gino, 212, 22, 23 for 34, 6.2 yards per throw, two touchdowns. Three sacks taken, 65.2 QBR, 104 rating. I wish we would have gotten to uh, him a little bit more in the second half, but uh, just shit didn't go our way. In the rushing game, the Giants were completely fucking stonewalled. 20 carries, 53 yards for Barkley. He got a touchdown, his longest was a 15-yard run, and a 2.7 yards per carry. Daniel Jones, six carries for 20 yards, 3.3 yards per carry. And then Matt Burita, two carries for five yards, 2.5 yards per carry. Uh, Seattle rushing game, I mean, we stonewalled them. I will give the defense the credit there. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Micah McFadden, you know, he, we're going to talk about him later on and, you know, some progress that has been made and, you know, what could happen after the bye week and all this different stuff. Um, but they did a real nice job. And I said it. I absolutely said it on the preview show. If you guys don't believe me, go watch it. I said that Micah McFadden needs to play this game. He needs to play in this game because he has the speed to match up with Kenneth Walker. And Kenneth Walker only broke uh, for a 16-yard touchdown, I think it was. He had two carries over five yards. So the Giants did an excellent job stonewalling him. You know, you take the 16 yards away, which is 35, and then put the 17 in there. That's over two yards per carry. I mean, that's not that's not great in anyone's book. Um Geno Smith, five carries for 26 yards, 5.2 yards per carry. Some of them were scrambles, obviously. Uh, and Travis Homer, two rushes for 10 yards, five part yards per carry, but as long as it was a seven-yard uh, carry. Giants receiving game, I'll only go over the top ones. Lawrence Cager had that target on the wheel route. Daniel Jones, I mean, I know that there was some pressure from Azudu there, but he's got to fucking hit that, man. I mean, um, you know, in the moment, I'm like, okay, I need to go look at it. But, man, he was, he was open. Lawrence Cager was open. Um, Marcus Johnson had a catch for three. David Sills had a catch. Barkley, uh, he had a 12-yard reception, but that obviously doesn't count too much towards yardage because he had three ca- uh, three catches for nine yards. And, uh, you know, there was that screen pass that was blown up right in the backfield. Uh, Myrick and Matt Breida both had a reception for 10 yards. Wondell Robinson, two receptions for 15 yards. Darius Slayton, five catches, 66 yards, and three catches, 58 yards for Tanner Hudson. You take a look at the Seattle receiving game, nothing 
Uh, you know, two outrageous Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf who were coming in off injuries. They played really well. Both had a touchdown, 63 yards on five catches for Lockett, 55 uh, yards on six catches for DK Metcalf. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, four catches, 33 yards. Travis Homer had a catch for 21. Noah Fant, two catches, 19 yards. Will Disley had two catches for 12. Uh, reception for one yard for Kenneth Walker. D. Eskridge had a catch for three and then a catch for five for Colby Parkinson, one of the uh, tight ends behind Noah Fant and uh, Will Disley. Take a look at the fumbles. We already know some of it already. Uh, Tyler Lockett had the fumble lost, recovered by Dory Jackson. Daniel Jones had a fumble, but he recovered it himself. That was, I think, towards the end of the game. Um, Richie James, I think it was actually on the last drive because they were pretty close to, you know, uh, what was it, second and medium, and then he gets sacked. I think it was Azudu's fault. May have been, may not have been. No, it was actually Tyree Phillips's fault. Um, but honestly, and, you know, you guys know that I'm, very moderate in terms of critiquing Daniel Jones. I feel like that ball has to come out no matter what. And I understand, you know, you're, you're just in attached at left side of the pocket. And then you got, you know, uh, Uchenna Nwosu coming from the right side. But that just looks so much like what we've seen in the past from Daniel Jones. So overall, he didn't play a good game. Um, but I don't see it as 100% his fault. Um, obviously, Richie James, two fumbles lost. One recovered by Will Disley. One recovered by Joey Blunt. That's pretty much that. Uh, we'll go over the defense in just a second, but matchup-wise and team stats, uh, the Seattle Seahawks had 19 first downs. The Giants had 14. 14 passing first downs for Gino and the Seahawks, 9 for the New York Giants, 4 rushing first downs for each team, uh, 1 first down from penalty for each team. The Giants were okay on third down, 6 for 16. You know That was probably the biggest success of the day was converting on third uh, but that's obviously not a hole you want to put yourself in every single fucking game. 3 for 13, the Seahawks were on third down, so not bad. Giants were 0 for 1 on fourth. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks converted 100% of their fourth down situations. Uh, both were actually on the same drive. I want to say the Giants held them to a field goal, or maybe it was that the DK drive uh, where they got the touchdown DK Metcalf. Total plays, Giants ran 64, 62 for the Seahawks. 277 total offensive yards for the Seahawks Giants had 225 13 drives for the Seahawks 11 for the Giants 4.5 yards per play so that's not bad for the Seahawks I mean not bad also when you look at defense uh 3.5 yards per play for the Giants Giants were one for two in the red zone the Seattle Seahawks were two for three Giants had six penalties for 53 yards and three penalties for 25 yards for the Seahawks two turnovers for the Giants obviously we all know what why that happened and then uh one for the Seahawks and uh, the Giants, they had time of possession on their hands, 33-34 to 26-26. So we all know where that came from. Um, anyway, I'm going to load up the uh, ESPN page so we could take a look at uh, the Giants versus Seahawks. In terms of the defensive stats, I'll go over the Giants right now. Their lead tackler, their lead two tacklers, actually three tacklers now that we mentioned it. Tomon Fox had a pretty good game. Um, one of the tackles, yes, you can consider it was in garbage time, but he did a real nice job setting the edge. Um, I think he should earn some more snaps. Uh, you know, obviously, Ellerson Smith played. He had a minimal impact. I was surprised they even uh, activated him, but Tamon Fox has played his heart out. Uh, Ellerson Smith has not gotten on the field, so I think Tamon Fox should honestly get a hunk of the snaps, a little bit more than uh, Ellerson Smith. 
going into these next few weeks after the bye. Julian Love had eight tackles. Leonard Williams had an awesome day. Um, we'll talk about him a little bit more as we go into the defense. Uh, but five quarterback hits, a sack, a tackle for a loss, eight tackles total. Um, Jalen Smith did okay. I mean, nothing too noticeable, but you know he was playing mostly mostly the Mike linebacker position, and Tate Crowder was the uh, the linebacker too, and Michael McFadden was also there as well. Um, let's see what else? Demarcus uh, Demarcus Lawrence. Jesus Christ. Again, tired, fucked up from a loss. Dexter Lawrence, Micah McFadden, and Xavier McKinney had quarterback hits. Um, Micah McFadden and Xavier McKinney both had a tackle for a loss and a quarterback hit. So uh, shout-outs to McFadden on his first NFL sack. Shout-outs to Xavier McKinney on his first NFL sack. Gavon Thibodeau wasn't very active. Now you could say, okay, there was probably holding penalties, but uh, I feel like he did more against Jacksonville than what was done against Seattle. I think thought he could have played better. Uh, he had one quarterback hit, and then Nick Williams also had a quarterback hit as well. I think he didn't play the rest of the game. Maybe he did, but he did have a bicep injury. That's why you saw a lot of jelly. That's why you saw a lot of D-Law and uh, Leonard Williams. Now you take a look at the Seahawks. Uh, they got five sacks on the Giants. They only had eight quarterback hits, so obviously, you know, you make your own comparisons and, you know, insinuations, whatever. Uh, Mike Jackson... One of their corners was actually the leading tackler with seven. Uchenna Nwasu, two tackles for a loss, two sacks. Um, I believe he was the one who forced the fumble on Daniel Jones and two quarterback hits. Uh, Cody Barton, who nearly had the interception, he was actually, well, he is actually the brother of Jackson Barton. Many of you remember him as the swing tackle in, I think it was 2020. Um, that's his brother, by the way. One sack, uh, one quarterback hit, one pass deflection. That could have been the interception. Uh, Jordan Brooks also had a good day, but Kobe Bryant had a tackle for a loss. Puna Ford had a sack, tackle for a loss, two quarterback hits. Uh, Boye Mafe had a sack, tackle for a loss, quarterback hit. Uh, that's the guy out of Minnesota. And then also you have uh, Bruce Irvin, who had a tackle for a loss. Um, and then quarterback hits by... LJ Collier and Quinton Jefferson. So, you know, they had a nice day in terms of in terms of quarterback hits. Tariq Woolen had an awesome day. Their DBs overall had an awesome day. But um I don't think I missed anybody on the Giants who had a tackle for a loss. I'm pretty sure I marked it down. Yes, I did. So let's get into the key takeaways and the grit and grind in terms of uh, the offense, first of all. I mean, that was the reason we lost the game. You want to put 50-50 on the Giants special teams and Richie James really is the uh, the poster boy of that and the offense. Well, let's start with the offense. Um, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley didn't have good games. Let's just be fair about that. Um, you know, I talked about Daniel Jones where he missed Lawrence Cager. I talked about him where that one play, listen, you know, I have to look back at, you know, the film and the tape and all that shit. I actually unsubscribed um, from NFL Plus because, oh, now you suddenly have to uh, – get NFL plus premium to watch rewatch games and say, go fuck yourself. I'm just going to record the game and watch it myself. Um, but I'll definitely look at that again, maybe see if he had anybody open. Um, but there was that one play once again, like I mentioned earlier, where Tyree Phillips uh, does give up the pressure. And then I feel like Daniel Jones could have just done something more with that because it's the same standing in the pocket, boom, gets slapped and that's a fumble. Now he does recover it. Um, but I feel like it maybe could have been something done there. Tyree Phillips really didn't have a good game, so that speaks volumes. Um, I feel like Saquon Barkley didn't have a good game. Now, you could contribute this to the O-lines, not very good blocking, the tight ends, whatever, which we'll get into. 
He was dancing. I don't care what anybody says. And listen, we're going to be critical. He's having a great season thus far, and he's going to get over 1,000. But you have to be critical when you have to be critical. You have to tell the truth. Um, and Saquon was dancing. There was that one play that really sticks in my head where um, Jordan Brooks is actually in one of the gaps. I want to say it's the B gap. Maybe it's not. B of the C gap. And he, he goes to the right side. It looks like he has an open lane, but Brooks cuts it off just a little bit. He peers in. And then he's like, okay, well, that gap is, you know, filled. He doesn't keep his feet moving, or at least he does, and he's just dancing behind Tyree Phillips, and Jordan Brooks comes in for the tackle. Um, you know, there was a play on the further to the right side towards the sideline where he could have gotten more yardage, but he didn't because he was dancing. Um, so uh, DeAndre Smith, whoever some of the offensive coaches are, Get that out of his head because we saw that last year. We saw that, you know, in his rookie season. We also saw that in his second season. So, listen, I know the O-line did not do a great job. It's obvious. But at the same time, man, you got to take the grit and grind yards. You got to take the yards that are in front of you. Don't cause it to, you know, go backwards. I mean, he's not as bad as Najee Harris was. And if you guys seen that replay, I mean, and now it's probably a meme. Um, where Pickett throws it to Harris, he's got like four yards in front of him, plus a first down, and he just dances, and he's completely obliterated by some of the defenders on the left side of the field. So, you know, I'm not saying he, Saquon Barkley's as bad as Najee Harris's, but that he just did. I'm sorry, he just did not have a very good game, not a very productive game at that. Um, the only positive, which I'll get to right now, is the resiliency on third down. The Giants were 6-for-16. Um, I have a bookmark of actually some of the ones they converted. Uh, do I have it? I'm going to pull it up right now. But they converted from, like, really third and long and not third and medium. That's the problem. So here we are. Uh, third down, and this is the ones they converted from, right? Third and 5, third and 12, third and 11, third and 9, third and 10, third and 10. But the ones they didn't convert from. Third and four. That's one you should convert from. Third and nine. They converted from a third and nine later in the game. Third and seven. Third and nine. Third and two. Third and two. You should convert from third and two. Third and seven. Third and 18. Third and nine. Third and seven. And third and 17. I mean, you could say, yes, they were as resilient on third down, but at the same time, they put themselves in a position to make third down possible at times because they, you know, whatever is receiver dropping passes, you know, whatever uh, plays happened and how the game went. And sometimes they really should have made some of those plays on third down to be second down because we know in the NFL you don't like to be stuck on third down and long, especially third down just in general. Um, but... You could say, once again, okay, that's a positive, but at the same time, third and two, third and four, you should be converting on those. So I, I, I'm I'm a little lost there. The Giants just need more consistency on third down. Um, it probably definitely went down in the ranks as, you know, maybe they were a mid-team in terms of third down. Definitely went down this game. I think the receiving corpse has been finally figured out. Now, you could say this, you know, for Dallas and some of the other defenses we faced and we had to run the football um, it's going to be tough the next few weeks. And people are going to say, listen, oh, we're going to blow out the Texans, we're going to blow out the Lions, whatever. I don't believe that. I, I really don't believe that because 
you know, people could have their difference of opinions, and this was one of the worst statistical run defenses in the NFL. We've stacked the box before. On the first drive, they didn't run the football at all. Um, they may have done something slight, but they didn't use Barkley on the first drive, which I thought was, okay, well, you know, you're really going to stick to a passing identity when this really hasn't been your identity all year except for the Jaguar game. And that thing, that mantra they have of going in the second half and working on the running game, that did not work at all. They actually were very bad in the second half in terms of running the football. But what's the point I'm trying to make here is, first of all, and I know I'm going in a thousand different fucking directions here, but let's start with the receiving corps. We're going to talk later, and I know I'm dragging this and saying, oh, we're going to discuss this later, whatever. Um, but the receiving corps have been figured out. The only time they get open is if they're schemed open, A, and B, if they're zone coverage. That's why you recognized third and tens, third and nines. The longer the conversion, almost probably a little bit more, the conversion rate goes up for the Giants. Because on third and two, on third and four, on third and five, on third and medium, you're probably either going to A, blitz, and do some type of weird coverage or whatever. But also, most probability comes out to be that you're going to play man coverage. And it's not necessarily the hardest thing in the world to play man coverage against Wandale Robinson. I mean, Wandale Robinson, sure, he's got speed, he's got grit, he's got all these different attributes. Um, but he still has a tough time getting separation, let's be honest. He's a smaller receiver in the NFL. Uh, Darius Slayton is the only one that's respectable. Marcus Johnson can't do anything. David Sills can't do anything. Richie James, I mean, he's been basically disappeared. He's been missing from the uh, the offense last few weeks with Wandale coming back, so you can't even consider him a factor anymore. And he's the leading receiver. Now, maybe that changed a little bit with Darius Slayton being factored in. Uh, I don't think Kenny Galladay at all changes that. And I've actually changed my tune a little bit on Kenny Galladay since this whole Kadarius Tony thing, um, which, you know, I didn't talk about on Friday. I'm not going to talk about it today because it's basically a dead duck argument. You know, this, that, and the other thing with Kadarius Tony. I don't care. Um, but, you know, Kenny Galladay basically said that he wanted to come back on the field. He wants to be a part of this team. You know, this team is winning. Uh, they have a possibility, you know, to be a 10-win team, 11-win team, and he wants to be a part of that. So whether it's blocking and his attitude has kind of changed a little bit because I think he's starting to recognize how much he misses the football field and he's not a guy that, um, you know, is a money muncher. But then again, you know, I know I, I, I've critiqued him in the past, but I don't think he changes the dynamic all that much. Um, but when I was talking about the running game, when I was talking about this that, and the other thing, Games are going to be closer than expected, like the Lions, the Texans. You know, do they have a respectful defensive backfield in Houston and in, uh, what do you call it, in, in Detroit? Detroit, probably not. They just fired their DB coach. Um, in Houston, I mean, Derek Stingley's the only name. I mean, he's gotten better over the last few weeks, but Sauce Gardner's playing very good football. He's actually playing better than Derek Stingley, but there's not really many respectable names, and those two defenses have the 32nd 31st 30th run defenses so you can run the ball it just seems like automatically oh we're gonna run this much we're gonna have a great game and you know it's irony it's just the nfl how it plays into it and game plans and all that shit because we said this is gonna be a battle of the running backs well guess what no running back was successful 
both running backs had a touchdown, but no running back was successful. Kenneth Walker had fucking uh, 51 yards, Barkley 53 yards. I mean, that's 100 rush, 100 rushing yards on like 38 carries. That is, that's not very good. That's like two yards per carry, about. But I'm just saying, the Giants are gonna have to figure something out where they either trade for a wide receiver, they do this, they do that. It's going to help them out, in my opinion, if they do. Once again, going to you know later subject. Um, and I know I'm fraying f- so much from the point because if they stack the box and if they figure you out and they still look at what you have on tape and they learn from it and they study from it like the Seahawks did, well, guess what? The Texans may you know fucking limit us to... I don't know, 87 rushing yards. Same thing with the Lions. You know, they may not have great discipline. Now, obviously, Seattle has better coaching than those two teams combined because Seattle, A, has a better record. B, Pete Carroll's at the helm. He's a defensive guy. Um, But I'm just going to tell you, you know, when you guys are are looking here and saying, well, this is going to be a battle of the running backs, it's going to be a battle of this, it's going to be a battle of that, and we're supposed to rush for over 100 on these two teams uh, on the next two games, it's not cut and clear. It's not cut and clear because of the lack of personnel we have on offense. Plus the fact that we didn't have blocking tight ends. Uh, Myrick was the only one. Tanner Hudson's not really that type of guy. And Lawrence Cager is definitely not a blocking tight end. He's actually more of a wide receiver. He is a converted wide receiver. So I would like to think in the next few weeks after the bye that they go with, you know, probably Jack Anderson and Nick Gates is some of the, uh, some of the extra tackles. Now, before we get to the defense, let's talk about the O-line a little bit. Outside of Thomas, once again, very good day. I mean, we don't have to go over Andrew Thomas at all. I'm going to try to get his throwback jersey because once I have a check that cashes and the Federal Reserve stops trying to fuck me out of my money, um, I'm going to order $100 worth of Andrew Thomas throwback jersey because I think it's worth it at this point. Um, but you can definitely say... Just for the negative, Phillips and Feliciano weren't good. Uh, I don't think Azudu was good either. Um, you know, there was a couple of misplays, and he's just making the same mistakes. And listen, I'm going to give him a little bit more time before I roughly judge Azudu. Um, he's kind of like the Shane Lemieux, and, you know, he does have some traits that Shane has, and Shane has some traits that he doesn't have. Um, but just seems like, yeah, he's got the foot speed, he's got the athleticism, but uh i just think he needs to work on iq with stunts because one of the last sacks of the game was from his interior spot uh john feliciano i mean he didn't necessarily play well he hasn't been playing well and you know if you're joe shane you have to look at it this way how soon do i want to fix the o-line kind of in the same lens as how soon do you want to fix the wide receiver core um, you obviously have a little bit more respectable pieces on that wide receiver core than you do the O-line. But John Feliciano, I mean, he was brought in to be a stopgap. Now, we know what the term stopgap means. The Yankees don't. So if you're a Yankee fan out there, you're referencing the IK, you know that I'm referencing the IKF thing or whatever. Um, but if Feliciano keeps struggling, that's not making Azudu better. That's not making Glowinski better. And that's not making your quarterback better. That's not making him better so he has enough time to throw. Um, He hasn't been, oh my God, he's just straight up trash and terrible, but he hasn't been good. So, you know, maybe when Bredesen comes back, maybe when Lemieux comes back, you try to put one of them to its center or Gates. I mean, 
Hell, I, I would take Gates over Feliciano because, well, Gates, A, has more chemistry with Daniel Jones, and he's just a better blocker, and I think he fights. I mean, one issue I will take with Feliciano, and maybe you guys think I'm overreacting or whatever, is just that when I've seen Daniel Jones get hit a zillion times, and this is, once again, as he goes down when he's sliding, he gets hit. Now, once again, there are no flags sometimes because it's a late slide. It's this, it's that, you become a runner, whatever the bullshit is. Um, but he's not fighting. I feel like centers have to fight for their quarterbacks. Now, Gates has done that. Jalapio did that. Hernandez did that, even though he was a guard. So, I don't know. I'm just not seeing a convincing sign other than cohesion that Feliciano should be the starting center for all 17 games this year. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. But Nick Gates is back. Um, not too much to make on that, but he had a couple of nice blocks. He had a down block on the touchdown. He almost got into a fight uh, with one of the linebackers or DBs, whatever. He was getting to the second level. And, you know, he's still got that fierce mentality um, no matter what he's been through. So I respect Nick Gates. Uh, hopefully he comes to start on the O-line sometime soon because – Fucking guess what? Giants need him. Uh, let's start with the defense. Well, actually, let's go to the defense rather than start with them. Leonard Williams probably had his best game of the season. Not only accumulating a sack and a tackle for a loss, he had five quarterback hits. That means his buddy and his ex-teammate? Because I think he was drafted in what? 2015, 2016, 2015 Leo was drafted. So that is his ex-teammate. I mean, do you know... Got punched in the mouth by I.K. and Kampali in 2015. And then Fitzpatrick started. We all know what happened there. But technically, he was a teammate. So, uh, five quarterback hits on his old teammate. Um, he just had a nice day. Now, Dexter Lawrence didn't have as nice of a day as he's had in weeks prior. Or is Leonard Williams. But he still blocked the field goal. Um, very weird that still went in. But, hey, listen. If it was a longer field goal, he doesn't make that. But uh, respect... Towards Dexter Lawrence, he's still playing out of his mind. And, uh, you know, Leonard Williams, obviously, once again, you know, creating some pressure. I thought most of the pressure came from the interior, you know. Not much of a pass rush from the outside. Like, Tibbs would make a few plays. Um, nothing from Roche, nothing from Jihad Ward. You know, I thought Micah McFadden made a little bit more of an impact than of our edge rushers. So, um, there's Leonard Williams for you. Giants stalled Kenneth Walker outside the touchdown. I mean, it's pretty obvious when you look at the stats, and he, he probably had his worst game of the season. Maybe, you know, his first game wasn't that good. I mean, I have to take a look to see what his first game was, but 51 yards over a guy that's, I think he came off like 200 yards last week or one of the weeks, whatever, but he, this is a guy that's one of the top running backs in the league, has emerged as one of them as a second-round pick out of Michigan State, but the Giants completely stymied him. They stonewalled him outside of a 16-yard run. And once again, if you take away the 16 yards, which I know it's it's one thing, and you really can't take it out, but once you take away the 16 yards and the one carry that he had the 16 yards and the touchdown, well, guess what? He goes to about 2.1, 2.2 yards per carry. So um, obviously their focus was on the passing game. Well, guess what? It kind of had to be when Kenneth Walker was getting shut down. So... Uh, Shouts to the Giants' run defense for that one. I mean, Jalen Smith and all the other guys. And Michael McFadden had he had a good game. There's no doubt about that. He had a good game. You know, he was very good in coverage. He got his first sack off Charles Cross off of a pass rushing move. He overall was a pretty good linebacker. He was a pretty good linebacker. 
uh, against the Seahawks. I don't know if I've said today at all. Well, I really don't mean today, but um, Michael McFadden, I think he needs more snaps. I really think he needs more snaps going out of the bye against the Texans, against the Lions. Of course, maybe you uh, hide him a little bit against a team like the Cowboys, but he needs to get some prime premier snaps against teams like the Texans and the Lions. Uh, I think Landon Collins also deserves more snaps as well. Maybe more than Tay Crowder. I know I'm reaching here, but Tay Crowder is better as a linebacker too, and I just felt that Michael McFadden was more noticeable. I would like to see Landon Collins a little bit more in that box. I mean, he played minimally. Um, Tamon Fox talked about him. He had a solid game setting the edge. And one play, yes, was in garbage time. But we, we have to agree that he had a solid game. Um, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, despite injury concerns, had solid games. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think it was Lockett with five catches, six catches for DK Metcalf. Both caught a touchdown. So, I mean, the Giants did the best they could on defense with the field position that they were given uh, because of the Richie James fumbles and stuff like that. But, you know, you still have to remark that Tyler Lockett and Metcalf had solid games. They wouldn't have 100 yards, but uh, they still had solid games. And one thing I want to point out before, actually, you know what? I'm going to go to this now before I point out the thing, is that Adoree and Fabian had mixed days. I mean, I thought Adoree had a better day than Fabian Moreau. Um, Moreau had a, I think he had a shoestring tackle on Kenneth Walker before he would have went. He bit a couple of times on play action, which is something I didn't like. Uh, but Adoree definitely had a nice day. Obviously, the strip fumble. Um, you know, he gave up the touchdown to Tyler Lockett, which, once again, I'm not happy about. But at the same time, he made a couple of nice pass deflections. So, you know, that's... Adoree isn't the Darius Slay of corner ones, but he's still a solid corner. And I would take him, honestly, in this defense uh, over James Bradbury and what he did last year. I, I'm sorry I'm saying that, but it's true. And one more thing as well. I mean, we'll get to the snap counts to truly reveal what's inside the box. But uh, Nick McLeod getting a couple of nickel corner snaps. And you know what? I might be buying into that. Now, I think he had one reception on him. I'm kind of weirded out why teams don't really pick on Darnay Holmes as much. But listen, I think he's a slightly bigger guy. He's a taller guy. He can tackle. So, you might want to look into that. Nick McLeod is the nickel corner. Let's look at his frame. Let's look at his frame. So, Nick McLeod. Nick McLeod, Nick McLeod, Nick McLeod. He is 6'0", 193. So, I would... You know what? I'm just going to come out and say, I think maybe that's something you'd experiment with post-buy. Just getting it off like that. And... Uh, I'll touch on this before we go to stock up, stock down, and talk about the other things as well. <sighs> I've not made a decision on whether Richie James should go or not. And this, the fumbles are absolutely cuttable. Like, you can absolutely cut Richie James based on his mistakes. Now, you can fault the coaching staff with putting him out there that one time. Uh, you know, the second time, which he, you know, basically lost us the game on. But, um... You know, I don't know whether they should cut him or not because he's a solid receiver, but at the same time, he hasn't been factored in. But you were on Wandale Robinson, uh, you know, injury away from James playing. But at the same time, 
If you let James go, your punt returner could be Khalil Pimpleton. That's what he did at Central Michigan. Uh, so, honestly, it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up, but you cannot, at bare minimum, cannot have him as a punt returner because he has coughed it up four times and he's lost fumbles three times. Stock up, stock down. Nick Gates, Leonard Williams, X-Man, uh, Micah McFadden, Tamon Fox, and Dexter Lawrence. I thought Adoree Jackson, maybe you could add in there as well, even though he gave up the touchdown. So uh, there's that. Stock down, offensive line outside of uh, Andrew Thomas, the wide receivers outside of Darius Slayton, Richie James, the tight ends outside of Chris Myrick, Saquon Barkley, and Daniel Jones. Um, let's move into them snap counts that I have. Uh, once again, thanks always to Dan Duggan who po- posts them. Let's start with offense first. So the entire offensive line um, played 100% of snaps along with Daniel Jones. 86% for Marcus Johnson. Uh, 80% for Saquon Barkley. 74% for Darius Slayton. 72% for Tanner Hudson. Wondell Robinson, 69%. 46% for Chris Myrick. So he got less snaps than Tanner Hudson, which uh, I find strange. Now, obviously, you could support that notion with, oh, well, you know, he's got more of a receiving threat in him in Hudson than Myrick, but Myrick's a better blocker. That Brita only played 22% of the snaps, 18% for the new tight end slash wide receiver Lawrence Cager, 15% for David Sills, 8% for Nick Gates as the extra tackle. Richie James only 6%, 2%, which is one snap for Gary Brightwell, and then Jack Anderson also played one snap, which is 2%. Uh, take a look at the defensive side of the ball where we're going to have most of our questions answered. Uh, Julian Love, 100%. Same thing with Xavier McKinney and Dory Jackson, 92%, which oddly enough was his number with the Jets, uh, Leonard Williams. Dexter Lawrence, 86%. Jalen Smith, 84%. Jihad Ward, 81%. Kayvon Thibodeau, 78%. 72% for Fabian Moreau. Nick McLeod, so he did get more snaps, about 7% more snaps than uh, Darnay Holmes. But also, you have to look... Even more, well, was it in the slot? Was it on the outside? Whatever. Um, but he definitely earned a little bit more snaps than Darnay Holmes. Uh, 42% for Micah McFadden, 42% for Timon Fox, 38% for Jelly, Justin Ellis, 34% for Tay Crowder, 16% for Nick Williams and Dane Belton, and 11% for Landon Collins and uh, Ellerson Smith. So those are the snap counts that we, of course, just went through so let's get into the last two topics we have here wide receiver trade which is honestly something i kind of just hinted at i think the new york giants need to go out and get a wide receiver i think you need to now obviously you could debate the subject but i'm going to talk about it here i don't think claypool's a fit i don't i think it's very very stupid but you know, it's trade talk, so it's not necessarily going to be the most favorable. I think it's stupid that Pittsburgh wants a two for him. Um, you know, obviously in his first two years in the NFL, he was quite productive. He had a passing touchdown on Sunday against the Eagles, but that didn't prove to be, uh, you know, much worth of anything. But he's been toned down in the offense just a little bit because of George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth. Um, So I don't think he's worth it. I think there's some character issues there that the Giants really don't need the headache of because why would you trade Kadarius Toney to get another headache? It's my personal opinion. Now, listen, I like Claypool as a receiver. Uh, Obviously, he sticks in my heart because he went to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's my favorite college football team. 
Um, but I, I just don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's worth it there. Um, oh, now that Raquan Smith's been traded to the Ravens. So that's another interesting one. They need linebackers. Anyway, so as I'm recording, a lot of things are unveiling, as you can see. Uh, DJ Moore, they're going to keep him in Carolina. I don't think it's worth it either to trade for him. Uh, so I am buying more into this Jerry Judy stuff. I think he's got two years left on his contract. Maybe one of those also as well as that fifth-year option. I know he's got drop issues, but um, I'm not really looking at this to make a run. I mean, I think the Giants can still make the playoffs. I think that's definitely intact. They have the fifth-best record in the NFL, so they definitely would make the playoffs. But my thing is, is you know, for Joe Shane and his vision, is your mind already set on Daniel Jones in a negative or positive light that a wide receiver is not going to make a difference? Or would you like to see more out of Daniel Jones and more out of this offense and what Kafka can do by acquiring a Jerry Judy? And would I give up a third and a six for Judy? Yeah, I would not go higher than that um, because Judy has had some drop issues in, um, in Denver, but he could be a wide receiver too. I don't think there's going to be such thing as trading for a wide receiver one unless you're giving up a one. So, overall, you're not getting a wide receiver one at this deadline. It's pretty fucking obvious. The Giants are not signing Odell Beckham Jr. It's just not going to happen. Um, but overall, I think Judy is the way to go if you're going to trade for a wide receiver. If you don't trade for a wide receiver, then they will stay the course. And um, they'll probably go ahead and, um, and draft a couple of wide receivers next year or maybe even sign them. So, uh, there's that. As far as the offensive line goes... Um, obviously they put Bredesen on IR, so he'll be out the next four weeks. Um, so you're probably aiming at, let's see. So obviously he was put on IR for the Ellerson Smith move, which technically, technically, um, was for, uh, it was before the Seahawks game. So that's the Seahawks game. Then you get the buy, then you get the Texans, then you get the Lions, after that, you get the Cowboys. So he could return against the Cowboys, but at the same time, that's the minimum, four weeks. Uh, Evan Neal probably returns against the Cowboys, which honestly, you know, I don't think it's a big concern that, oh my God, he's not going to come back for the Texans or uh, the Lions game. Both of those teams, and I know I said don't look overlook these guys, but uh, they don't really have good pass rushes. I mean, you know, you got Hutchinson. Great, but what are your other rushers, right? Um, I know that the Texans have like the least sack numbers in the league horrible Giants should take advantage of that but that's obviously when we go uh to the Texans point of things um I would definitely look into maybe switching centers I know obviously cohesion's a thing and continuity but it's not like Feliciano has totally earned playing center for the entire year uh I just don't think that he's earned it uh Azudu I mean we'll see how much he grows he needs to improve on a lot of things post by we need to see some progression overall what we've talked about um, you know, before what we talked about coming into the season is whatever the record's going to be, whatever the player is, or he struggles at the beginning of the season, he needs to get better towards the end of the season. Whether we're talking about Daniel Jones, Wondell Robinson, this, that, and the other thing, I need to see that with Joshua Zudu so we know what we have going into next year. Now, Lemieux, I'm going to be honest here, towards the end of 2020, really didn't improve on a ton. Matt Parrott, I mean, he had the same issues kind of in his second year, but at the same time, he was a tad bit better than his first year. So you just need to see improvement. 
Um, I think the Giants can definitely stock up on some O-linemen and some draft picks. But once again, it goes as far as the wide receiver thing. Not that they'll trade for an O-lineman because there you know, are some O-line guys on the trading block, but you're not moving Isaiah Wynn inside. And you're certainly not trading for Austin Corbett, who I believe was signed to a pretty chunky contract. So you're not doing that. And Austin Corbett, either way, is a right guard more than a left guard, even though he's played left guard before. He's also played center. Um, I don't know how he's playing this season, but once again, goes far as with Joe Shane's vision as far as the whole team goes. Do I want to sit here and micromanage in his terms, well, not really his terms, but my terms, you know, and as he would see it, do I really want to micromanage and just say, okay, Nick Gates, go in at center uh, just for the sake of a few weeks? Or do I leave Feliciano in for the rest of the season? That's his decision. But like, comment, and subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops a video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Peace out, guys. See you later, and stay cool. Let's go Giants.